and it's going to make a big difference. Amen. If you'll stand to your feet this morning, if you've got your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. I want to talk about the subject of gratitude for the next few weeks. And uh, I just feel like um, the Lord wants to center us toward who He is and remind us of His goodness. And we want to be a church that is constantly running after Him. Amen? Amen. And so today I want to talk to you about this subject, Grateful Hearts. Grateful Hearts. James chapter 1, beginning with verse 16. If you're ready to hear the word of the Lord, say amen. Amen. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for all the many blessings in our life. Thank you for the souls today that made this decision to be baptized. Father, we are just grateful. We never want to take it for granted at Landmark Church for all that you're doing, how we believe revival is not coming, that revival is here, that people are being changed now. And Father, we thank you for that. We are grateful for all that you're doing and all that you're going to continue to do. Bless this time. As we hear today, let us not hear man's words, but let us hear the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. Right now, in Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Ghost and all God's people together said... Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I get to sit by you and you may be seated. Rudyard Kipling was an author that lived in the late 1800s. He wrote a lot of famous books, and unlike a lot of people that wrote things and then they ended up making money when they passed away or their estate did, he actually made a lot of money himself in his lifetime from writing. And one day somebody calculated the words he had written and how much money he made and said, for every word you wrote, you made $100 a word. And so one reporter knew that and went up to him, pulled out a $100 bill out of his pocket and handed it to Mr. Kipling. He said, Mr. Kipling, I want one of your $100 words. Give me one of those words. Here's a $100 bill. And Rudyard Kipling looked at the $100, put it in his pocket, looked at the man and said, thanks. Sometimes thankfulness can be something we bypass It's a simple common word. It's a word we hear all the time. It's something that we teach our children from a young age that one of the first things we try to teach Benjamin and Boston's uh, 11 months and Sarah even said yesterday, he's starting to say thank you when you hand me. We begin to teach our children these things from a young age. But sometimes gratefulness is not something we always practice ourselves. I was taught growing up, I told you this many times, but I was taught to open the door for people going into a place woman just open the door for somebody going into a place but I'll be honest sometimes my flesh comes out because I'll open the door and they'll look at me like why are you doing this or they don't say thanks and when they're walking through with a scowl on their face my flesh wants to close the door quickly into the back of their head if I'm being honest okay you ungrateful pow that's what I want to do but the truth is this, we want gratefulness for everybody else. We want, if we give somebody something, they better say thank you. But do we practice gratefulness ourselves? Is it something that we learn to practice ourselves? And I think in our society, not just this one generation, but in our society, we have created entitlement. 
where everybody thinks they deserve these things. We think all these things are because we deserve them. But I want you to know today, you are not entitled to everything, but everything you have is a blessing from the Lord. Everything you have is not because you're entitled, it's because you're blessed. Because James said every good and every perfect gift, don't get it mixed up, every good and every perfect gift doesn't come from your efforts, from your work, from what you can do, but every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow or variation of turning. In other words, God does not change and He is the giver of good gifts in our life. It's not because of anything we have done, but it's all because of who God is and His goodness in our life. Amen? And if we get it mixed up, we begin to think, yeah, but you know what? I wake up in the mornings and I am the one that goes to work. I'm the one that does all these things. We had a guy, um, Johnson's would know Mr. Kenny, lived with us for a while when I was growing up. And we would pray at dinner. And he was an older man who didn't have a place to live. So we he moved him into our house for a while. We're sitting there eating one day. And, and, and we said something to Mr. Kenny about saying the prayer. And he said his dad, growing up, would always say this. He would say, Lord, thank you for everything you've given us except the bread. We get that at the bakery. And that's how a lot of people act. God, thank you for all these things that I don't know where it comes from. But if it's something I know where it comes from, I think it's something that I've done. I paid the money for that. I did that. I'm the one who went and got that. I happened, and let me tell you what the Bible says about that. You know what Paul says in Acts when he's standing there in front of all the philosophers at Mars Hill? He says this, it is in him we live, and it's in him we move, and it's in him we have our very being. In other words, the fact that you can pay the baker to get some bread is because it's in him. The fact you can go to the store and buy groceries is because it's in him. The fact you can wake up every morning and go to work and get a paycheck is not because of anything you've done, but he is the one who put breath in your body. It is it's in Him we live, and in Him we move, and in Him we have our very being. And when I understand that, I am grateful because God is the source of every good thing in my life. Amen? It's because of Him. Paul, in, in, in 1 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy. He's writing one of the last letters he'll write. He's about to be killed, be martyred for the faith. And the end of his life, this is 30 years after Jesus has met him on the road to Damascus. 30 years after he had this, this, this encounter with Christ where all of a sudden he's, he's knocked to the ground and he realizes everything he's done wrong. 30 years later, he is still practicing something. Look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Why was he thanking him? Who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. 
I love this because 30 years after he's met Jesus, he realized, you know what? I was the one who persecuted the church. I was a blasphemer. I did it out of ignorance because I thought this is what I was supposed to do. But one day I met a man named Jesus and he showed me grace. He showed me abundant love. He showed me mercy. And 30 years later, he is still thanking God for everything he has done for him. And I don't care if you've been saved 30 seconds, 30 days, or 30 years you still ought to be able to praise God for His mercy and His grace and His goodness on your life. That if it was not for God, I would not be where I'm at right now. That is because of Him that I am saved and redeemed and changed because God has been good to me. Amen? So we thank Him for that. So, But what, why don't we thank God? I believe Pastor Rich Velotis says this. There's three enemies of gratitude. Three enemies of gratitude. The first is comparing or comparison. <clears throat> now, I, just, I quoted somebody a moment ago because I like to give credit. I don't want to plagiarize. But um, there is something in, in preaching that's probably not, they certainly teach you in college, but we like to say this. The first time, I will quote the person. The second time, I will say, somebody said. And the third time, I will say, like I always say. And then I'll tell you whatever it is. <laughs> so I don't remember who said this originally, but I use this phrase all the time. Comparison is the thief of joy. That whenever you compare your life to everybody else's, you steal the joy that God has for you. Because you're trying to live in comparison. If you know my family, you know we like to, I say we, um, because when you get married, you kind of, you know, become we. We like to take pictures. By we, I mean my wife. And me and the boys have to. <laughs> but we like to take pictures. And, and, I, and if you know my, if you, if you follow me on social media, I'm always putting my kids so much so. I had a friend of mine one time tell me, he said, I see your kids more than I see my own kids. <laughs> and I live with them. And I'm like, that's okay. Here's the thing. Um, we love to take pictures. And people comment, you have you know, beautiful pictures, beautiful family. They see the pictures on my wall in my office. What you don't see is me having to grab a two-year-old and hold him tightly and say, if you want a donut after this, you better say cheese and smile. <laughs> What you don't see is me and my wife almost going to couples therapy because we got to go take photos. Come on, just be, let's be real this morning. Stop trying to be fake and unchristian. What you, what you don't see is what all it took to get to that one nice photo that we can finally say after 80 of them, there's one I think I can use. I'm over there hitting my head against the bricks. Pow, pow, pow. My wife's not here today, so I'm just, being, I'm just saying it all. <laughs> I know, she's probably watching online. So, I love you, babe. Be home soon. Amen. <laughs> but the truth is this. We compare ourselves to everybody else's highlight reel. And when we begin to compare, we lose gratefulness because we think, I don't measure up to that. And God didn't call you to be that. He called you to be where you're at. And he called you to be you. <laughs> Number two, we complain. We gripe about everything. Not only do we compare everything, we gripe. And that's an enemy of gratitude. Because I'm complaining, I'm griping about everything in life and everything that's going on. And the world is all these problems and all this stuff is happening. If it wasn't for this, and we begin to gripe and complain. And all these things come out of our mouth. And then we, we lose our gratitude because we're griping about the world around us. And then thirdly is coveting. I begin to look at everybody else and covet what they've got. And I want that instead of what God's blessed me with. And what I'm telling God is, God, you didn't bless me enough because they've got something better than I've got. So if you would give me that, then I would be okay. 
If I had that, I would be happy. If I had that house, I would be happy. If I had that car, I would be happy. No, you wouldn't. You'd have a house payment you didn't want and a car payment you wouldn't want. <laughs> if I had that boat to drive on the lake, there's only two days of good days to have a boat, the day you buy it and the day you sell it, okay? <laughs> if I had all this stuff, I would be happy. And the truth is this, we begin to go after all these things and it robs us of what God wants in our life and the joy and the peace He has for us because we're constantly griping, comparing, complaining and looking at everything else and coveting other people and those things are enemies of gratitude in our life. Amen? So how do we live grateful lives? I think it centers around this one thing and I believe it's this idea we talk about in church a lot but I think the one way to conquer negativity and all those problems and enemies of gratitude and to live a grateful life is one word and the word is worship because I believe worship puts us in a place where I begin to see God as he truly is and when I do that I get my eyes off of me and my problems and what I'm going through and I begin to focus on who God is and I focus on the giver of all good gifts in my life the Bible says in first chronicles chapter 16 that David is building a tabernacle for God's presence. The, the ark of God, the presence of God is going to dwell in this tabernacle. And David sets it up and he has a burnt offering. And all this stuff is ready. And then they begin to praise. They begin to worship. And in verse, verse 8 of chapter 16, this is the first thing that comes out of their mouth when they begin to worship. They say this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds. They say, oh, give thanks to the Lord. They don't say give thanks to the Lord and tell Him everything we're mad about all the time. Listen, there's nothing wrong with going to God about your problems. But what if before you went to Him with all your requests and all your problems, you began to thank Him simply for who He was. You began to thank Him simply that God, You are good. You are everlasting. Your love for me is incredible. What if we began to thank God and call upon His name simply because of who God is? Because listen to me, if God never did anything else for you, which He does, He blesses you abundantly every day. But if He did nothing else for you the fact that he gave you his son Jesus to die for your sins that you may have everlasting life and even life right now to the fullest that is enough to be able to praise him and to thank him and to call on his name because he is good he's good so three postures of worship I want to give you very quickly the first is the idea of bowing down that I bow down Think about a monarchy. Think about a king or a queen. Whether you want to or not, if, if the king comes in, out of respect, you might not even agree with the person, but out of respect, you bow. In that sense, you are lowering yourself. You're saying, this person, in, in, in the natural order, is up here, and so I, I lower myself, I bow to them. Let me tell you something. You don't have to bow to Jesus now, but i got news for you. One of these days, you will. Because the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And so you can say whatever you want right now. But everybody over the years who thought they were God, all the Adolf Hitlers and the Saddam Husseins and the Mussolinis, one of these days their knee is going to bow and they are going to confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And I don't want to wait till I have to. I want to bow right now because I want to posture myself in a place that says, God, you are greater than I am. God, you 
are mightier than I am. God, you are greater than everything I'm going through. And I want to posture myself now in a place where I am grateful for who he is because I bow before the creator, the one that loves me and the one that died for me and the one that has an intimate relationship with me on a regular basis. I bow before him to recognize who he is. Amen. Amen. The second thing is raising hands. And I love we sing the song right here, Gratitude. And I've been singing it in the, in the house with my, my boys. And I love the line that just says, and I throw up my hands, and I praise you again and again. Because all I have is, what's the rest of it? Anybody remember? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you. Some of y'all remember. I, I, I throw up my hands. I love that idea. Because it's, it doesn't matter where you're at. I, I, I mean, literally, I, I know I'm crazy, but I will throw up my hands riding down the road sometimes. And not because somebody pulled out in front of me and I'm mad at them. Sometimes it's because I'm actually worshiping the Lord. No, I'm just kidding. I will throw up my hands in my house because wherever I'm at, what I'm recognizing, I just throw up my hands and say, Lord, you are worthy. You are mighty. I'll wave at you just to let you know. I want your attention for a moment just to let you know I love you above everything else. And I love you greater than anybody else. God, I love you and I'm surrendered to you. I'm surrendered to what you want. I am grateful for all that you've done. And I'm giving him an offering of praise by doing that. And I recognize in that moment that just that raising my hands, I am grateful for the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. And the third, third thing is just verbally praising God. I know based on personalities, you say I may not say things out loud, but let me tell you this, I, whether you're alone or wherever it's at, I think it's important that we open our mouth. The Bible says this in Psalms 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at what times? All times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I love this. I will bless Him at all times, in the good times and the bad times, when I feel like it and I don't feel like it. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So on the days when everything's good, I open my mouth and I praise Him. And on the days when my life is falling apart, I open my mouth and I praise Him. Because you know what? Out of your mouth, James says, can't come blessings and cursings. If you want to stop being negative about everything and griping about everything, you let the praises of God be in your mouth. You let the praises of God come out of your mouth. And when you do that, when you begin to praise Him and bless Him, how do I bless God that owns everything? I bless Him for who He is. God, You are mighty. You are holy. I remind Him of how awesome He is. And I bless God. And His praise continually comes out of my mouth. Amen? In that moment when that's happening, when all those things are happening, if, if I want to sit there and be negative, I realize my whole attitude begins to change. Because now it's not about how I feel, it's about who he is. It's not about what's going on around me, it's about the faithfulness and the goodness and the covenant-keeping God that is with me. His love is everlasting, and he is with me no matter what I'm going through. Amen? Will the, will the worship team join me? I'm almost done. <clears throat> There's a story of a missions team that went to a Caribbean nation that was had different people live there but that one group they were ministering to had lepers so they're having a, a church service with people that had leprosy that were going to come in the service and they're waiting on them all of a sudden here they come filing in the door and they sit down and they notice <clears throat> everybody is like you are right now they're facing the front except one person in the back was facing the wall the entire time they didn't know what was going on, but they get up and they start singing hymns. And they're singing all these songs, and they get to the end, and the song leader says, if anybody has a request, 
We'll sing a hymn that you want to hear. Maybe something you grew up listening to. We'll sing that today with you. And all of a sudden, that person that was facing the wall the whole time stood up and turned around. They realized it was a lady, and she began to walk toward them. The reason she was sitting like that is because leprosy had taken her nose and her mouth. Her face looked like a skull because of leprosy. It had taken her body, and, and, and she didn't want people to have to see her in that condition, so she literally faced the back wall. But as she walks forward, she begins to raise her arm. She didn't have a hand. Leprosy had taken her hand. But she raises her arm, and she said, I've got a song I'd like to sing with St. Girl. It's called Count Your Blessings. Can we sing that song? And the song leader stood there in amazement thinking almost at first what is, you know, is she serious but they began to sing that song and they said that the, the singers almost couldn't get through it together because they began to sing to a woman who leprosy had taken the majority of, of her livelihood they began to sing count your blessings name one by one and when they saw this lady coming forward saying all I want to do is just thank God for my life it began to change everything about them. I want you to know today, God is calling us to be people of gratitude. I understand the world is not in the shape we want it to be. I understand not everything always goes our way. I understand we have an election Tuesday, and, and more than likely, I mean, it's not going to go the way, I, I know for a fact, it's not going to go the way somebody wants it. That's life. But here's the thing. What do we do on Wednesday? Do we wake up and act like that the world's over and we're done? Or do we continue to praise God for who He is to realize He's our King? No matter what happens at the White House, no matter what happens at the Capitol House, guess what? Jesus is still Lord of this house. Amen? He's still in, he's still in charge. He's still sovereign over all things. And so how do we begin to realize, even though everything around me, my, 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 my situation with my job, my family, Things might not be, my bank account might not be what I want. But do I praise God anyway because I'm grateful that He gave me a life to live. He gave me the ability to praise Him. Would you stand to your feet?